Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. In this week's headlines, a grinder hookup in Michigan on Christmas Eve went horribly wrong. Britain's most prolific rapist is sentenced to life in prison. Grammy Award winner Sam Smith posts an inspiring shirtless photo on Instagram. And I recap this year's Golden Globe Awards. All that and more in this episode of The Randy Report. released today revealed what police found on December 28th when they arrested 50-year-old Mark Latunsky in connection with the death of Kevin Bacon, a 25-year-old Michigan man. Detectives said they went to Latunsky's home to perform a welfare check as that was the last location Bacon was believed to have been. When they entered Latunsky's central Michigan home, detectives testified they found Bacon hanging naked from the ceiling. According to testimony from the detective, Latunsky confessed to killing Bacon by stabbing him with a knife in the back one time, then slitting his throat. He also admitted to police he wrapped a rope around Bacon's ankles and hung him from the rafters from the ceiling. And he used a knife to cut off Bacon's testicles and then consumed them. Latunsky was charged with one count of open murder and one count of mutilation of a human body. He was arrested that Saturday after police searched his home. It appears there were recent signs of Latunsky's erratic behavior. On November 25th, police responded to his home when a 29-year-old man wearing nothing but a leather kilt ran from the house with Latunsky chasing him. Neighbors said the man had blood on his face and was screaming for help. Police investigated the incident, but the man didn't want to press charges, and police determined no crime had been committed. Bacon's roommate said Bacon went to meet Latunsky on Christmas Eve after they connected through the dating app Grinder. He was first reported missing on Christmas Day when he didn't return home for a family breakfast. Friends and family mounted a large search effort for him, and his car was found in Clayton Township near his home. His wallet, phone, and other belongings were inside. Bacon's parents say they hope hearing what happened helps others not make the same mistake. The father, Carl Bacon, told reporters today he obviously got into something he wasn't prepared for. We all make mistakes. It's gut-wrenching to hear the details and we're just beside ourselves. When you use these apps, just let other people know who you're meeting and where you're going to be at so you have a safety net behind you. The father added, What was released today shows Kevin had a dark side. For those who knew and loved Kevin, they didn't know that side. They knew his good side. He loved and cherished everyone he touched, and he touched a lot of lives in the past during his short life. Now, it wasn't quite clear what Carl Bacon was referring to when he mentioned Kevin's dark side. I'm not sure if he was referencing a secret interest in perhaps bondage role play, or if he was speaking of his son being gay. I'm hoping it's not the latter. 
In this day and age, dating apps among gay men, and straight people for that matter, are a part of daily life. Wanting to meet someone or hook up isn't a crime. It's a part of human psychology. What this story does underscore, though, folks, is the need to be careful, take precautions, and as Carl Bacon mentioned, let people know who you're meeting and where you're going to be when meeting them. I've reported here on The Randy Report about gay men being targeted by bad people on dating apps. Just last month, I shared the story of two men in Dallas who pleaded guilty to using Grindr to commit violence against gay men and rob them by forcing them at gunpoint to withdraw money at ATMs. I just want to urge people to use some caution, get to know some facts about who you might be meeting with, and always leave on your kitchen counter, your desk, or laptop information about who you might be meeting. Sorry to stay on the dark side, but... 36-year-old Reynard Sanaga has been sentenced to life in prison after being found guilty of raping 48 men in Manchester, England. The Guardian reports Sanaga may have sexually assaulted at least 190 men during a two-and-a-half-year period. According to police reports, Sanaga would target young men in the early hours of the morning outside nightclubs in Manchester. Pretending to be a good Samaritan, he would offer them more alcohol or a place to charge a phone, wait for a taxi, or sleep off their buzz at his home. Once there, he would drug them, police believe he used GHB, and then record himself raping the men as they slept. Most of his victims were white, heterosexual men whose average age was 21. His crimes included 136 counts of rape, 8 counts of attempted rape, 134 counts of sexual assaults, and 2 counts of assault by penetration. Sanaga's crime spree only became known to the authorities when one of his victims woke up during the assault in June 2017. The young man fought Sanaga off, then reported the incident to the police. Authorities say they found video and photographic evidence of at least 136 rapes on two cell phones. From the video recordings, police were able to identify most of the victims. Once contacted, many had no idea they'd been violated while under the effects of the drug. Police also found Sanaga would keep trophies from his attacks, including watches, IDs, and cell phones. Sanaga was sentenced on Monday to life in prison with no chance of parole for at least 30 years. But there's more. These news reports end a two-year media blackout, during which Sanaga had already been convicted of similar charges in two earlier trials relating to 25 other victims. For those crimes, he's already serving 88 concurrent life sentences with no chance of parole for 20 years. Britain's laws require strict media blackouts in such cases while the trials are ongoing. During his trials, Sanaga claimed all of the assaults were consensual and his victims were acting out a sexual fantasy. But prosecutors called the defense ludicrous. The Guardian reports many of the men could be heard snoring in the video recordings of their assault shown throughout the trial. Many of his victims came forward to explain the deep psychological consequences they suffered due to the attacks. The effects ranged from anger and anxiety to thoughts of suicide. Said one victim, I have never been in such a bad place in my life and I don't know how to get rid of it. I was diagnosed with severe depression and put on antidepressants. I also started counseling. Said another, 
The perpetrator has taken a part of me that I will never get back and deserves the largest sentence possible. And a third told the court, it changed my life forever. Juries were shown text messages Sanaga had sent to friends during the crime spree, often boasting about his conquests. He wrote of one victim, quote, He was straight in 2014. 2015 is his breakthrough to the gay world. Ha ha ha. Sanaga was found guilty on every charge brought against him. During his sentencing, Judge Suzanne Goddard described him as a dangerous, deeply disturbed, and perverted individual with no sense of reality. As she spoke, Sinaga reportedly yawned and played with his hair. After sentencing, Deputy Chief Crown Prosecutor Ian Rushton called Sinaga the most prolific rapist in British legal history. Sinaga arrived in Britain in 2007 from his native Indonesia on a student visa. He received two degrees from the University of Manchester and was studying for a PhD at the University of Leeds when police finally arrested him. On a lighter note, I enjoyed watching the Hollywood Foreign Press Association's 77th Annual Golden Globe Awards this weekend, even though I had hopes that more LGBTQ artists' work would be recognized. First up, the good news. Saturday Night Live's Kate McKinnon, paying tribute to Ellen DeGeneres in advance of Ellen accepting the Carol Burnett Excellence in Television Award, was easily the most touching LGBTQ moment of the night. In tribute to Ellen, she said... In 1997, when Ellen's sitcom was at the height of its popularity, I was in my mother's basement lifting weights in front of the mirror and thinking, am I gay? And I was. And I still am. But that's a scary thing to suddenly know about yourself. It's sort of like doing 23andMe and discovering that you have alien DNA. And the only thing that made it less scary was seeing Ellen on TV. She risked her entire life and her entire career in order to tell the truth and she suffered greatly for it. Of course, attitudes change, but only because brave people like Ellen jump into the fire to make them change. And if I hadn't seen her on TV, I would have thought I could never be on TV. They don't let LGBTQ people on TV. And more than that, I would have gone on thinking that I was an alien and that maybe I didn't have a right to be here. So thank you, Ellen, for giving me a shot. A shot at a good life, and thank you also for the sweater with the picture of the baby goat on it. Elton John and songwriting partner Bernie Taupin picked up the prize for Best Original Song for Motion Picture with I'm Gonna Love Me Again from the musical fantasy biopic of John's early life, Rocket Man. In accepting the award, the pop legend said, It's the first time I won an award with him ever, speaking about Taupin. We never won a Grammy. We never did anything together except for this, and I'm so happy. Toppin added, This isn't just a song we wrote for a movie. This is a song we wrote for a movie that deals with our relationship. And Hunky Taron Egerton's star turn as Elton John in the film won for Best Performance by an Actor in a Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy. But the movie itself lost out in the top category of Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy to Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Out actors Billy Porter of FX's Pose and Ben Platt of Netflix's The Politician were nominated for Best Performance by an Actor in a Television Series in the Drama and Comedy categories, respectively. But the two Tony Award winners went home empty-handed as Porter watched Brian Cox accept the trophy in his category for HBO's Secession, and writer-actor Rami Youssef scored over Platt for his turn in Hulu's Rami. 
Porter may not have won during the awards ceremony, but he certainly scored on the red carpet with his Vision in White Feather Adorned Tuxedo by Alex Vanash in, in collaboration with stylist Sam Ratelli. Embellished with 4,000 Swarovski crystals and a six-foot train paired with a $2 million 40-carat Tiffany & Company diamond necklace, Porter was easily one of the fashion highlights of the evening. Standing on the red carpet, Porter announced, This is not a sitting outfit. This is a standing outfit. Also in the awards ceremony, out actor Andrew Scott was nominated for Best Supporting Actor in a Television Series Comedy for his performance as Hot Priest in Amazon's Fleabag, but saw the trophy go to Russell Crowe for his performance as Roger Ailes in Showtime's The Loudest Voice. Out actress Beanie Feldstein received a nod for her high school overachiever in the lauded comedy Booksmart, but the moment would go to Aquafina in The Farewell, making history as the first Asian-American performer to win a Golden Globe in any lead actress film category. I thought Antonio Banderas would score for his nomination for Best Performance by an Actor in a Motion Picture Drama in Pedro Almodovar's Pain and Glory. But Joaquin Phoenix walked away with the Golden Globe for his amazing performance in The Joker. Some might have been surprised, not me, by Renee Zellweger's win for Best Performance by an Actress in a Motion Picture Drama in the Judy Garland biopic Judy. It's a worthy powerhouse performance in a moving film about a legendary gay icon. Lesbian-centric Killing Eve lost in the Best Television Series Drama category to Secession, and Netflix's gay-themed The Politician, nominated for Best Comedy Series, lost out to the Amazon hit Fleabag. Two queer films, Portrait of a Lady on Fire and the previously mentioned Pain and Glory, were nominated for Best Foreign Language Film, but the award went to the widely acclaimed South Korean thriller Parasite. I'll add, while not necessarily LGBTQ in regards to actors or content, I was thrilled that Michelle Williams' incredible turn as the legendary Broadway leading lady Gwen Verdon in the miniseries Fosse Verdon scored. Months after viewing the series, I still think it's the best thing I saw on television all year. Transgender actress Josie Tota has been cast in the upcoming reboot of the 1990s teen dramedy series Saved by the Bell as Lexi, described as a beautiful, sharp-tongued cheerleader and the most popular girl at Bayside High who is both admired and feared by her fellow students. Tota will act alongside two actors from the original series, Mario Lopez and Elizabeth Berkley. Lopez and Berkeley will reprise their roles as macho jock A.C. Slater and headstrong feminist Jesse Spano, respectively. Reports haven't revealed whether Tota's character will be cisgender or transgender, but her casting in a lead role represents a huge step forward in mainstream TV, and especially groundbreaking in a show targeted towards a predominantly teenage audience. Tota previously acted in many television shows under the name J.J. Tota, beginning her career as a child actor on the Disney Channel show Jesse. She appeared in four episodes of Glee as the youngest member of the New Directions and had a starring role in Mindy Kaling's short-lived NBC comedy Champions as Michael, an outspoken 15-year-old who made nonstop theater references and naively viewed New York as a magical city. Tota came out as transgender female in an August 2018 article for Time magazine. In that, she wrote she felt like I let myself be shoved into a box, and added, 
I realized over the past few years that hiding my true self is not healthy. I know now more than ever that I'm finally ready to take this step forward becoming myself. I'm ready to be free. No word yet on when the reboot of Saved by the Bell will air. It's a new year, and while lots of folks are heading to the gym to fulfill that get-in-shape resolution, Grammy Award winner Sam Smith took just a moment to appreciate being exactly who they are. Smith recently posted a shirtless photo to their Instagram, writing, Feels so good to have my top off on holiday. Spent my whole life hiding my body from the sun. The last year, my skin has been soaking in that light. Smith closed the post with a bit of self-love advice. Don't let anyone or anything stop you from feeling that kiss from above, you beautiful humans. With over 1.1 million likes to date, it seems Smith's fans agree, including newly minted Golden Globe winner Taryn Egerton, who commented, You look gorgeous. The 27-year-old singer has had a big year on the issue of self-acceptance, having come out as genderqueer and non-binary in 2019. Speaking to body positivity activist Jamila Jamil on the Instagram show I Weigh Interviews last March, Smith shared that their body image issues were, quote, the basis of all my sadness. They also revealed they had liposuction at the age of 12. Quote, at the time, I think I was very happy about it. It didn't really change anything. I think I put the weight back on in two weeks because I hadn't figured out my relationship with food, so it didn't really change anything. But being 12 years old and having liposuction on your chest is quite a big deal, end quote. The Stay With Me singer is clearly feeling more comfortable about their body and spreading the message of body positivity with more shirtless photos on Instagram. And good for them. As many of you who followed therandyreport.com, I often lead my news roundups with photos from my list of Insta hunks. It's basically eye candy to get folks to click on the post to read the actual news stories in the roundup. But I always make a point of highlighting all kinds of guys, older, younger, ripped and worked out, and guys with dad bods. And it's to make a point that being attractive isn't about a six-pack. Throughout my life, I've found many different types of men attractive. The most important attraction, though, is to ourselves. Good on Sam Smith for coming to a place where they can like and feel good about themselves. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you would share it with your friends. I like to think of The Randy Report as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And remember you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time. <laughs>